Welcome in, everybody. Keith and Robert are back with the Race to the Kingdom podcast. Say hi, Keith. Hey, guys. We are uh, going to wrap up our series on the on living life for the kingdom or living a kingdom life. Today, we're uh, we're specifically specifically talking about uh, the subject of you know is, is life a test, uh, and going to kind of look at the pitfall of, of the of the statement that well god just wants me to be happy mm. um so the combination of those two subjects is where we're going um you know this is this maybe end up being a, a slightly longer episode keith and i were kind of laying that out ahead of time guess one of the things we wanted to mention going in was that we assume you have a pause button uh and that pause button then also access play again and so we started off a long time ago when we, we started these episodes trying to get these things down, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. It's just not possible with Keith and I, we've just figured that out. Uh, and most of them are running around an hour. We've got a couple out there that are even up an hour and 15. Um, but um, if we need to be keeping these somehow to 20 minutes or 30 minutes or, or something like that to, to make it more consumable for you, we need to know that just, you know, chime in our comments section, let us know, send us a note. Um, but otherwise, um, we really figured out that we're dig digging into some fairly deep subjects here with lots of Berean work to be done. And we're trying to, to, to prove our case and to, 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 you know, when you, when you go out and you sort of poke the bear, when you when you're going out there and challenging prevailing wisdom and challenging prevailing teaching, you want to make a really good case of it, and we're trying to make a really good case of it for you uh, on God's behalf. So that's why these things do tend to get a little bit longer. Absolutely, please use the pause button and and uh, and come back and visit us again, or listen to the podcast in your car, and then and then come back and look at the and then visit the. Uh, or you maybe have more time during your commute or something like that, and then and then come back and, and download the the, um, uh, the the teaching guides that have been uploaded on our website. We have a new section on the website uh, identified out as articles, and Keith has done just an amazing job of putting together uh, study guides of of that go along with these classes. So, with that being said, Keith. All right. I got into a really so neat debate with one of my good friends uh, who actually really kind of got me into this uh, this walk the other night right. about life being a test. And he, at the end of it, agreed that we should disagree, that he just doesn't believe that we are being tested. And mm. uh, I, I'm, I'm going to send this episode to him first. And uh, so help me make that case that, that life is indeed a <laughs> test. Yeah, that's... That is the question on the table, and uh, we really want to help in the understanding of the race to the kingdom is, does God want us to be holy, or does he want us to be happy? Are those diametrically opposed? Are they symbiotic? How do we explain this as we go through the scriptures presented to us on God's viewpoint on this subject? And so we want to give some clarity to that because it's really important. It's really important how you um, believe in this so that you can present yourself to God every day according to his plan. And if we get a little bit 
off, like we've already explained to you on one side of the coin or the other, then, you know, you get confused. You get confused with the circumstances of life, with the paradigms of your life, how to interpret them. Mm-hmm. And it can be very confusing with your walk with God. And so we're hoping that this will challenge you to understand with greater clarity that, you know, God has some answers to how you should view your life. And he's given those in the scriptures so that we can, you know, we can live it out and we can understand a little bit uh, better because understanding becomes the, in my opinion, it becomes the um, peace of our lives. When you understand how life was meant to be, um, you can rest in the assurance that you're not missing out on something else, that you're following God's plan for your life, that it includes these things, and you're not going to be confused. And that gives you the hope as an anchor. So we'll we'll go over that just like uh, in this first paragraph here. It it talks about the paradox: blessed are the poor in spirit. This whole Sermon on the Mount thing was a a word used. Blessed is actually the word for happiness. So happy are the poor in spirit. So there goes Jesus again, right, Robert? Mm-hmm. Uh, creating this paradoxical dynamic about his kingdom. Well, how are poor in spirit happy? How are those who mourn happy? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, those seem to be diametrically opposed, but they're really not. And so hopefully as you get to the end of this teaching, you'll have a greater understanding of that. And so we're going to open this up, Robert, if you will read 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1 through 3 and then jump down to 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For we must all appear in judgment before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So you can see in this verse that Our lives are not complete yet. There is a destination in the end that we need to keep our focus on because we groan right now. We're groaning, waiting for the hope that has been set before us and that there will be an evaluation, a test that is at the end of our lives. And so again, To present the idea of a test is what God throws out here, that there will be an evaluation. How often, Robert, did we grow up with our normal everyday lives? In fact, uh, how many years of testing in school did we have to go through? Yeah. Uh, Right? 18. (laughs) We, 
We no, we. I'm sorry. Twelve. <laughs> I was eighteen when I graduated. Twelve years. Not not to well, be tests in kindergarten, but uh, starting in first grade, <laughs> there was always a test. Yeah, it would be it would be nice. All I all I needed to know uh, I learned in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that being the only case, but we grew up understanding the importance of testing. Mm-hmm. And and God is no different as we were made in his image and we and he understands the value of that. And he has a few different perspectives on it as well that we need to hear. So we will just present the case that, you know, God is not opposed to testing. In fact, he is the creator of it. And um, we will read First Thessalonians two four. If you want to grab that, Robert. Yeah. As we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. Yeah, and so we have uh, a breakdown of the word uh, dokimazo. This is the Greek word to be tested. And if we look at the help word studies right there, properly to try, to test, to show something is acceptable, real or approved, to put to the test, to reveal what is genuine or good. And so this is a word that demonstrates in its root understanding that it requires approval. It's something that God will take you through to expose the genuineness of something else, which, as we know, is our faith. Mm-hmm. So as, as God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. And we will, we will expose some other verses that really help us relate to that. But you know, again, I- one thing... Robert, that I want to present here is, you know, whose idea was it to put the serpent in the garden? And for what reason? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, if, if there wasn't some testing involved, there wouldn't have been a a tree that, you know, with the statement, just, you can, you can eat from and enjoy everything else in this entire garden, except for that one thing right mm-hmm. and yeah. so now it's a question of do you believe me do you listen to me do you trust me do you you know yeah and 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 if that wasn't there um there, there you know there there is no test right and of course there is no fall but um you know when we look at 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 all of this and go you know we were given free will right we weren't made to be loyal robots. We were made to be loyal children and children have free will. We have a personality, we have the ability to make choices and 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 what God wants to see, I believe, is is us make good choices just like as a father of two boys, I want to see them make good choices. Mm-hmm. Right? But there's a spot there as they get as they start to get you know, into toddler level and things like that, where we start letting them make their own choices. Uh, yeah. Right. 
And I believe that it's, it's really telling that God designed it that way from the beginning, you know, before the fall. So it was to test our allegiance to him, mm -hmm. to show that we're putting our full faith and trust in him and not in the, you know, the, the opposite, not in the challenge of, of following something else. Yeah. And, and that in itself creates a love relationship. It mm -hmm. creates a, it creates an opportunity to show that our heart is not divided. And, and again, how, how much does it hurt us when we see the allegiances of our children, of our spouse that is divided? Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, that is the same heart that God has. And he shows us that he does not enjoy when our allegiances are divided. So how many times did, you know, his bride in the Bible go after other lovers, go after idols, and it wrecked his heart. Mm -hmm. And it's the same idea. Um, and so let's, let's understand that from his perspective. And I think that's what we're challenging you to do. Yeah, is understand that from his perspective. And what's our next verse there, Robert? Um, yeah, so that the, you know, that, that kind of finishes up because this is, I think, one of the things that was that was the key of my my disagreement or my debate. Let's let's put it that way with my buddy Jim. Was you know that that well he loves us therefore and he's given us, you know, he gave us a son and and he died for our sins and and therefore life you know isn't a test but you know, we have that same condition, unconditional love for our children. And, and we have, you know, we would die for them. Um, almost, I think any, any parent would. And, and yet we still, we still test them, right? We still, it's part of their growth experience to, to find out, you know, what direction they go and for us to be pleased or displeased with them. Right. So mm -hmm. I, that's, I think that's the point of, you know, we're not, no father takes away his son's inheritance until something really, really badly has happened. So with these tests aren't, well, you failed this test today or, you know, to, so therefore, you know, you're out. It's just something as a coach, it's like, all right, well, we, we practiced this or we did this and, and, and you, you didn't quite do it right. So here, let me help you. Let me give you some correction. Let me show you how to do it better and let's go do it again. Right. I think that's to me, that's that's testing. Um, and, and, and there's some big ones, right? There's some really much, much bigger tests than the, the small ones. But um, yeah. that's where we're going with testing to me is is that direction. Well, a little bit a little bit later in the article, we'll discover the difference between a test and a temptation. And that becomes really important. Yeah. Because, you know, we have a loving God who wants us to succeed and not to fail. And we'll realize just how important that is in the heart of a loving creator. Um, as opposed to what the heart of the enemy is like. And so to understand that as, as we go through 
the testing that is required by love, we will we will discover that that God's heart is much different than the enemy's heart, mm-hmm. and that and that becomes extremely important when we are thinking about being tested. So we have a verse here out of First yep. Peter. Yep. Let's get uh, back uh, get us back on track here. Uh, in this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time, throughout the time of your exile. Yeah, so we have a we have an understanding here of a father and a judge, both. And to identify the process of genuine testing of our faith to show that our faith is genuine is really the work of a silversmith or a goldsmith. I don't know if you've ever seen them at work. Um, and the way that they uh, melt down a raw piece of gold or silver in a crucible. And they it's called testing, by the way. So they use fire. Uh, they use a extremely hot fire and they hold the crucible that's holding the raw piece of silver or gold in the middle of it. And they wait for the dross to rise, which are all the impurities. And then they come and they look at it and then they wipe away that layer of impurity and they're looking into it deeply and then they put it back into the fire. And they do that as many times as is necessary to finally bring it back and see perfectly their reflection in the gold or in the silver without any impurities. So in the same way, God is presenting this through Peter, uh, letting us know that all the trials, all the testing of our faith is for that same purpose. It's for our holiness. And so uh, Robert's going to take a look at the composition of the word holy here. And Robert, why don't you read that to us? Uh, Holy for the believer means the likeness of the nature with the Lord because different from the world. The fundamental core meaning of hagios is different. Thus a temple Mm -hmm. in the first century was hagios, holy because it was different from the other buildings. In the New Testament, Hagios, holy, has the technical meaning of different from the world because like the Lord. Yeah. 
It means to be set apart mm-hmm. and therefore different, distinguished, and distinct. Um, this is the whole gamut of being a disciple and being called into discipleship. Um, again, we have those articles that we've already written and podcasts that we've already made, what it means to truly be a disciple of the Lord. They didn't want just head knowledge. They wanted to be like their Messiah, a Talmudin. They wanted to be exactly like their Messiah. They wanted to walk in the footsteps of their Messiah. They wanted to believe like the Messiah. They wanted to behave like their Messiah. It's the same thing with uh, what God is, his purpose behind the testing. He wants us to be his perfect image. And that has fallen. It's fallen um, very short of his glory. And so the uh, purpose behind his testing is to bring it back. And so there is a loving God behind this because he knows that here's where the the paradox of happiness comes in too, because the, the more holy we become, the more pure we become in heart and therein lies true happiness. And even though that will not be achieved until the final product is achieved, um, we can have glimpses of it and episodes of it, seasons of it, and it keeps us going. And so we, we have another um, verse here for you from the book uh, of Philippians. Yeah, you, you triggered my, you triggered my yeah. golfonology right there. Oh, right. Go for it. The glimpses of it. So as a, as an adult, I learned to play, I, well, if I bro- never broke a hundred, I don't know if I can say I, I ever learned to play golf, but I attempted to learn to play golf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, anybody who's ever attempted to learn to play golf as an adult realizes that it's really, really hard. Um, mm. It seems like it would be really easy to just strike that ball you know, the same way every time over and over and again. And it turns out that it's really, really hard. And as I learned to play, I was attempting to learn to play golf. What I found was there was these, you know, um, I did break a hundred once or twice, but you, as you're golfing, as you're at, you know, you practice and you practice and you practice and you go out and you play. And as you play every once in a while, there's like one stroke, one hit of the ball or, if you're really lucky, one entire hole where you just go, where you're so frustrated leading up to that, that you're like, I'm never going to do this again. And then you hit that one ball, right. And it's so glorious, right. Mm -hmm. It feels so good. Or you, or you, or you hit that one hole beginning to end. The drive was perfect. The approach was perfect. The putt went great. And then you're just like, all right, for the last eight holes I've been going, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. And right. that right. one stroke or that one hole makes you go, all right, there's some hope in this. I'm going to come back next week uh, <laughs> or next time I'm going to play again. Right. Yeah. And yeah. For sure. At least that was my experience with golf. Maybe other people have had other experiences, but that was my experience was there was always just this one stroke or one hole or, and as you got better at it, maybe there was two or three, but you know, there was that progression of skills that 
that gave you some hope to keep you going. Right? That's right. And I, I would just say that the key understanding that we want our listeners to get here is, is really the application that we're going to uh, get into in the next few verses. Mm-hmm. But it's this, if God's goal was to refine us and to make us back into the image that's been lost or marred, then, and that takes this trial, it takes the trial of fire to do that, right? Um, Where is our part in that? You know, what's the calling to take part in the training, to take part in the disciplined process Mm -hmm. of, of going through this? And this is the accountability, you know, that same golfer, which I'm sure Robert's been tempted many, many times like me as a professional athlete growing up, being tempted to quit, being tempted to drop out of the race of becoming all that I could have become in the sport. So if I would have stayed with it, if I would have kept training, if I would have kept what we're going to show you here in a minute is the word agonizomai. If I would have kept agonizing to become better, then, then, you know, I would have never known what I could have become if I would have dropped out, if I would have quit. And that's the idea of our responsibility in this race is that we must endure, we must persevere. And so all of this encouragement to the church comes with the paradigm that life is a test and God is testing us. And so we'll read Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, 12, and 14. Robert, you got that? Got it. And be found in him, not having a righteous of my own, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from the faith through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. I press on towards the goal, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Okay. So the the we'll show you that the word perfection is really the end goal of maturity to be completely mature and here is um, that word right now it means the help word study says to consummate reaching the end stage working through the entire process all the stages to reach the final phase and so this really is the encouragement of salvation Mm -hmm. justification, sanctification, and glorification. Go through all the stages. Don't give up, and you will be rewarded. So, so again, a good athlete does not take his eyes off the prize. And, And that is where the encouragement as a follower of Christ needs to be. And so we'll, um... well, and, 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 you know, one of the interesting things, I just went through a few weeks, maybe a month or two here where 
you know, severe, you know, really heavy and uh, work with, by the enemy in my world and, you know, I'm on, on my journey and, and stuff. And I was super frustrated. I, you and I sat and did some stuff the other day. Um, and I didn't tell you this, but I was sitting there working on this stuff with you. And I'm just like, dude, just why are you doing this? Just stop. Um, you know, going through the back of my mind, right? Uh, right. You know, not, not even the back of my mind, the front of my mind. It's just, you know, this is just, you know, this isn't going to do anything. This is, you know, nobody's watching this. Nobody's, you know, and, and just, just give up, you know, move on, do something else. Um, you've got better things to do today than this. And, you know, that down is a part of all these ups, right? That's part of that journey into, um, you know, you came as my brother and, and I never told you all that stuff. I told you a bunch of other stuff, but you came as my brother and, and started, you know, a, a day or two later offering up to do a daily prayer with me that has really turned that whole situation around and, and really put up, you know, barriers to the, to the evil ones and stuff, uh, you know, in my life, trying to, trying to throw me a different direction. And, but that's that, that's that fight, right? That's that, man, I, I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to, I got to have that other drink. I'm not, I, I just, I can't do this. I, it just, it would be just easier to give up. Mm, and the answer yeah. is like yeah. you just said, it is easier to give up, right? Um, right. This is work to do this. And sometimes you need a brother to, or a sister to help you through that work. Um, sometimes you have to do some of that work by yourself, but it is work to, to, to drive down this path. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's what the Bible is encouraging us to recognize because the payoff at the end is worth it. Yeah. And, and so the, the idea is the enemy is always going to try to pull us back into his small story. Right. Mm -hmm. So the enemy has a very small story. Um, his story is the kingdoms of this earth. And that is actually the story that God has uh, invited us to leave. He's invited us to leave the earthly story, to live in his story for a much bigger story, right? A much bigger payoff. And if we lose sight of that and we go back into our small stories, we will regret it. And therein lies all the warnings to the church. Yeah. And so, we, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit more yeah. as we get through uh, some of these verses. All right. <clears throat> so then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the, with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation we ate, re, the creation waits <laughs> with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So we have another encouragement here to see the end, to see what the Bible is encouraging us to receive inheritance, to receive the glory of the sons of God. And this is going to be selective. 
So just like we gave you the keys to the motivation to run a faithful race, the keys to the kingdom, um, to live a kingdom life, how God will separate and meet out his inheritance to the faithful. Um, and so we have another verse here from James. Count yeah. it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect. There's the word mature again, and complete, lacking nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive something. What is it? The crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We have a great article about love. What does it really mean to love God? And this is the upper echelon of agape love. It's a sacrificial love. And it is the same type of love that pursues God through the testing. Mm -hmm. And this is the word ag agonia. Yep. And read that, uh, Robert. Agonia, the brand of struggle that emphasizes felt pressure, as in experienced in an intensely personal way. <laughs> so we have, we have an intense pursuit of holiness that God is wanting us to participate in, in order to receive the prize. And in order to prove something that we brought up at the very beginning, our love for him. Yeah. So important to make that connection. Like we said, love had to have been tested to be proven genuine. So even in the garden before the fall, there was a serpent, and that serpent was for the very purpose of testing. And to have that love approved is the same thing in Christ that we are racing for. He's equipped us by his love with everything we need in order to love him back and be set apart for the prize at the end of our race. Okay, But we have to prove faithful and so what's what comes next robert uh, what comes next is must pass our testing and not put christ to the test oops switch over to here there we go so um we have a we have a different little application here going back to what we always refer to in the wilderness wonderings. Yeah. So we, we, we make as the backdrop of the race to the kingdom, the example used in the new Testament about the Israelites coming out of slavery to Egypt, going into their wilderness testings in order to please God and be set apart for him in order to make it to the promised land and be his people and recipients of his promise of rest. And so we have another uh, important understanding of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You want to read that, Robert? Yep. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these 
things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let not let in, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So again, the encouragement in the fear of the Lord is not receiving what is available. And so we're racing in Christ. He has made available to us everything we need to um, pass the tests in the wilderness in order to receive the end result. And But we are not to put him to the test. So again, in our understanding of those wilderness wanderings, putting, putting God to the test was testing his patience mm-hmm. over and over again and, and being unfaithful, grumbling, complaining, continuing to worship idols, continuing to live by the attitude of Egypt and not by the attitude of gratitude for what God was providing for them. Yeah, how many times and, does this say in the in the scriptures there and in those first couple of books, you know, well, we'd have just been better off just to stay in Egypt. Oh, exactly. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you you know, the pleasures of Egypt and the food and the ability to not have to go through God's training in order to get Egypt out of you. It's the same thing as Christ that he said he said the gate is narrow the road is difficult and few people take it um it truly is a wilderness that is difficult but it's worth it is the message it is so worth it yeah don't give up it's It's, so worth it yeah funny i've i've you know gotten to know different people during this process during the my 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 journey um, who have had substantially more um, difficult paths to their spot in life, you know, in their in their journey, you know, uh, alcoholism, you know, sexual addictions, you know, guys that were in some really really dark places, um, and some of that stuff you could say you know, was somebody's version of happiness, right? I can, I can drink whenever Mm. I want. I can fornicate whenever I want. I can, I can, Mm. um, I can spend whatever I want. You and I have had a discussion about, Hey, what if we walked up to the guy that's sitting in his, you know, million dollar, $2 million house, you know, with the patio and on the patio with his smoking hot wife and his three beautiful children knows you know nothing of god and and he's like i'm doing fine aren't i um look at this i mean i got a two million dollar house i got a pool i got a smoking hot wife my kids are fine Mm. in some ways i was you know i lived part of that right i was doing really really Mm. well i mean i had a company that was very successful i owned the market that i was in for what i did was good to my kids i didn't have the pool and all that stuff like that but my wife's pretty so i'll give you know but she's not a smoking hot trophy wife and you know and but i was miserable um and i spent 12 14 years trying to get out of that misery trying to find this 
right? Mm -hmm. It took me a little while to find it, but, and the peace that came along with this, right? That has been a part of my journey that wasn't there as a type A personality, being successful, you know, published in magazines, things like that. That was the reward, right? And mm. um, and that's the, the 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 what we're looking at here. Part of that difference, right? Is is you know you could you could have said I had it all. I owned my market. I had two great kids who did great in hockey, and I was a coach, and I I spent time with them. I had by you know all sort of you know pagan whatever you want to do it earthly considerations. I was killing it. I was doing great. Mm. There was just nothing wrong with my life. And yet I was, I was a miserable person. I was a miserable man. Cause I, it just, it, it, there was a hole in it that I couldn't, I couldn't find and I couldn't fill. And mm -hmm. three and a half years ago, uh, I found something that started to fill that hole in. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's mm -hmm. part of the journey we're talking about, right? It is, it is. It's, uh, it's interesting because the details of that are crucial to understand so we do not get confused. I, I was very confused on the opposite end of that, of, of a, a little bit uh, a different perspective than yours, which was the idea that when you accepted Christ, well, that was the guarantee that you would be happy. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm feeling unhappy that there's something missing, even in my so-called successful worldly life. Um, and then I come to Christ and I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have that hole filled mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to not feel that way anymore. And that's not really the message of the Bible. So the message of the scriptures that we want to expose and we want to show you is that this life that Christ has called us into, this, this wilderness, if you will, is difficult. This wilderness is a called apart separateness to the world. You are to leave the comfort of Egypt and come into the training process that I'm going to take you through in order to give you rest in the end. Rest from what? Rest from your wilderness wanderings. And so I need you to test yourselves mm -hmm. in this process. And so we have 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Robert, if you'll read that. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet this test. I hope you will find that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may, do no, may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though many seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. 
your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe. <laughs> I love Paul. In my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and for not tearing down. Yeah. So Paul is saying your restoration is what we pray for. Paul understands this race. He understands that life is a test. He understands that he also wants to pass the test. And so he recommends what it means to test yourself, examine yourself, see that you are in the faith, see that you are walking by the truth, see that you are continuing to pass the test. And so it's, it's a very um, important encouragement that we're given as the church to continue racing in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we want to, um, you know, encourage you guys with. And yeah, this, so this next, this next verse is really right there on that, right? Yeah. As it, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved. So something, you know, you, I'm not happy because something went wrong, but, right. but you were, because you were grieved into repenting. All right. So that you actually went back and all right, that didn't go so well. I'm not going to do that again. And, you know, and I repent right back to the scripture for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us For a godly grief produces a repentance that leads to a, to salvation without regret. Whereas a worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter, so that although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did wrong, but for the sake of the one who suffered wrong, but in order to that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. So I write that daily examination and repentance are key to running a faithful race and receiving the inheritance in the kingdom. So, so Paul's overall perspective and outlook is that, you know, when we get into situations or when you see a brother get into a situation that is displeasing to the Lord, that diverts them off the proper path of following God and following his instructions. Um, they're trying to go back to Egypt, let's just say. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have the privilege of helping them come to repentance, of helping them change their mind to get back on track to keep running their race and to pass the tests that their faith would be genuine. This, again, is the admonition in Scripture, mm -hmm. and that there is a reward for this, but there's also a punishment involved if you do not. So, so we have both applications of this. What happens to, um, you know, as I was coaching my tennis team and referring to the training that they need to participate in and encouraging them to go through their training and then, and to train hard and not give up and remember the prize at the end. 
there was also a warning to them who did not go through that training and who chose to give up, who chose to not work hard, Mm -hmm. who chose to not participate in that. And so you have both applications um, to this, and, um, and we'll see that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, will agree seamlessly with, with the identification of this. Yeah. So we have, yeah. One, one little nugget that I was given as I mm-hmm. kind of went through this that really applies to, to this as, before we move on to the, the Old and New Testament was that it's, all of this is really a, a matter of changing your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. It's a matter of changing your perspective from why did you do this to me, God? Because we know he didn't, but but why did you do this to me, God? To God, what do you want me to learn from this? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that's an easy perspective to difference to change, but you know whether you're working in your journal or you're just sitting there contemplating what's going on in your life. You know mm-hmm. that's not maybe going. You know what Paul says was you know because you were grieved into repenting, right? You know mm-hmm. that's asking that question what do you want me to learn from this? It's similar to the, to the quote that uh, I was given as an athlete and um, chose to give it as a coach as well, that it's not, that it's your attitude, not your aptitude that determines your altitude. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the the idea of perspective becomes really important. We we introduce that at the beginning of mm-hmm. our talk. Yeah, and I liken it to a diamond. There are a lot of different um, sides to a diamond: the cut of a diamond and the sparkle of a diamond. But if you were to view, let me give you an example of what we just said. If you were to view life as God wants me to be happy. And you were the one going through the fire. You were the one going through the trial. And now, what is your viewpoint? Is your viewpoint that God is holding out on you? Is your viewpoint that you're blowing it and that you must not be following him correctly because you're not happy? Um, God doesn't love me. Yeah. He he gave up on you, whatever. See, it just. It doesn't hold water to the perspective that God gives. And so what you want is you want your perspective, your paradigm of life, when you wake up every morning and you're choosing to view that day from God's perspective, you you better have the right one. Um, again, because if you have the wrong perspective of, of that day, you're going to be at some point you're going to be thrown in the pit and, and that pit is going to rock your world. And, and again, you will have zero understanding of the Bible. You may be, you may choose to bail. You may choose to just say, okay, I'm going to the bottle. I'm going to drugs. I'm going to whatever to deal with my anxiety. And, and you'll be really confused and it was really that confusion of listening to a lot of different preachers growing up that made me go to the actual Bible myself and made me um, try to identify what was actually being said. And so there's, there's where the race to the kingdom was birthed. Yeah. And so we want to show you that 
also in the old covenant. Yep. We will move back on here. Although I do have to throw out my one, my my favorite bumper sticker Bible thing, uh, life thing, which is God finds a new way every day to ask the question, do you trust me? Um, yeah. You know, so, all right. Um, here we are in Deuteronomy, back in the Old Testament. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And you, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Right? And that's so, the, the guy sitting on his back porch, you know, watching his kids play in his giant pool. I got this stuff. God didn't have anything to do with this. I made this, right? Yeah, surely. And 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 again, the way that we are applying this is not to our present day earthly lives. It's to our future life, mm-hmm. which is where the encouragement is always pointing to, always, throughout the scriptures. It's never pointing us to the pool in our backyard as the life that God wants to give you. It's always presenting, giving up the comforts of our life if needed in order to pursue a holy life for the garden experience at the end of it. And so there's where the continuing race, race well, okay, keep going strive, persevere, endure. And so we have the book of Hebrews now. Um, what are some of the ways in which God tests our faith? And I can't, I cannot tell you and encourage you enough to, to understand the book of Hebrews, to understand the hall of faith. So as it has been called the faith chapter, the faith book, And so we will read some of the verses that come out of the book of Hebrews. And I'll read the first one. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And so we understand that that the references to the biblical characters are being brought back into the New Testament for one main purpose, to encourage us to please God in the same way they did. And so we have Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, if you'll read that, Robert. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Okay, so commending. Again, being approved. Mm -hmm. Being approved by God. And we have a list of all the characters, not all of them. We didn't do an exhaustive list. Uh, Go back and read the chapter because it's extremely encouraging. Um, 
And but we do have some challenges that we believe are consistent in ways in which God tests our faith, in the ways in which he has tested the saints who have gone before us. So I'll remind you of the next chapter, chapter 12. It says, because of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before you, which is this chapter 11, these are the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before you. We encourage you to strip off every weight and sin that so easily slows you down and entangles you so that you will run a faithful race like Jesus did, looking to Jesus as our forerunner, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so how did these characters get tested? So Robert, how did Cain and Abel, what was their test? Yeah, you know, it was funny. It was, and they didn't even know it was a test necessarily, right? They, they just brought their the results of the fruit of their labor and uh, Abel brought the first fruits of, of his um, the first fruits and Cain brought some of his stuff. If I, you know, just breaking yeah, it down. Right. In fact, um, yeah. In fact, so, so Abel, it doesn't matter that he was a herder. Abel worked with sheep and Cain worked with the ground. Right. That has nothing to do with it. Both off offerings were essential to mm-hmm. God. Yep. The key was the key was honoring God with your first fruits. Yeah. And so, you know, Abel did that. He knew that God was his provider and he gave God his best. Everything that God had given him, he gave God his best and his first. And and it's really telling that if you read the account in Genesis, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought his offering to God. Okay. So this understanding that Cain did not value that his offering was of the best and that he was bringing his first fruits to God. Mm -hmm. He didn't. In the course of time, he brought what he wanted to God. Yeah. And so it was basically saying, Cain brought me his leftovers. Okay. <laughs> Abel brought me his best. And so yeah. Abel is approved. Yeah. If you read and, that, you, and it's, it's yeah. funny because you read it and you're like, well, I mean, they, they broke broad stuff, but it's, you know, as in most things in the Bible, the devil uh, or the, 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 re, the, the, is in the details, right? <laughs> Again, he is in the details. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, uh, in the course of time, he, he brought him some stuff when he got around to it, right? Yeah. Uh, and so think the, think about how that applies to our life when it comes to what God has provided us. Yeah. So you can you, you know money, money is actually the number one topic in all of the Bible, and so because it's so divisive, it's so testing to our faith. In fact, there are more warnings out of all the passages given about money in the Bible. 95 plus percent of them are warnings and of us not using it in a way that glorifies God, of us giving over our allegiance to it instead of God. 
And so um, that is one way that we are tested. Enoch, Jude bring back uh, a, a message about Enoch who prophesied God's judgment and ungodliness. The application to us is, will we be bold enough to tell someone this truth when God presents it to us? Yeah. So when he presents us an opportunity to speak plainly to people about the judgment to come, will we also prove faithful like Enoch proved faithful? Will we prove faithful like Noah proved faithful, who proclaimed righteous living and warned of God's judgment, even giving up a normal life to build an ark in a world that probably didn't even understand what it meant for the earth to flood. And, and so are we willing to be a fool for Christ? What about Abraham, Robert? Yeah, dude, when you look at him, I mean, you know, I want you to pick up and leave. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to go to a completely different place. You know, the, the one that is, is um, the most amazing is what he did with his only son. The guy's 100 years old. Wanting a kid for, you know, wanting a son for 80 years. Um, and he was willing to sacrifice that son because God asked him to. Right. Didn't. Yeah. Um, that's, man. How do it, those right? tests, well, how do those tests flesh out in our lives? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, and I've, I've talked to some guys about it, and I've, I've had a similar thing of with this with myself, which is just I want, I don't want you. You've asked me to do something I don't want to do, um, and he asked me to do something I didn't want to do a couple, three years ago, and I was open enough to do that in my life, and um, and it, you know, I, I don't want to continue with this job. Was what it was, I, and he said, "No, I want you to stay there." And um, I'm like, I'm miserable. I hate this. This nobody likes me here, and I'm not doing. You know, I can do so much better somewhere else. And and he just flat out told me that you know I've got something going on there that you don't under that I'm working in other places, and I need you to stay where you're at, doing what you're doing. And so I followed mm -hmm. it. And yeah. um, you know, that's my own personal version of of that. It wasn't certainly nothing to the dramatic level of of uh, taking my, one of my sons out and to potentially sacrifice them. But it was absolutely doing something that I really didn't want to do. And in and other circumstances would have absolutely done something different. Yeah. And that's what we want to encourage our listeners to take the, um, take the stories of the Bible and personalize them because the stories are real to us in our everyday lives. We have a we have a tendency to exalt the 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 stories in the scripture like Abraham, you know, way out there, right? Like we're not Abraham or yeah. Jesus especially. Oh, we're not Jesus. Certainly not. Right? right? Mm -hmm. And and we separate ourselves from their lives and 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 I think we're supposed to do the opposite. And I think right. that we're encouraged actually to relate to them. And so just like Abraham left his country, the idea of leaving your comfort zone and trusting God 
that's going to happen in your life a dozen or more times. And that is a test. Mm -hmm. And just like Robert, you know, said that, well, it's not as big as, as Abraham sacrificing his son. Well, to him at that moment, it, it felt as big as that. Okay. Because he's wrestling with it. He's, you know, it's real. It's, Mm -hmm. it's an emotional struggle. And so it's, it's important to identify that in our own lives. And one of the things that I'm guilty of um, is, you know, making my own children an idol. My wife and I have sat down and talked about that throughout us raising them and what's going on in the culture. Our generation, Generation Z, is really exalting your children. You know, at, at, at some point you leave them completely to raise themselves, but you want them to be this exalted person on the earth. I want them to know everything. I want them to get the best education. I want them to have the best coaches. I want them to be the best athletes. Okay. I mean, we exalt our children and it's, it can easily be a sin okay over and over again and the idea is do you really want to follow my design for your children okay so teach them how to live a godly life okay teach them how to know me and and love me back teach them how to race well okay and and this is the idea of sacrificing your children for God. So in Joseph's life, he was thrown into a pit and slavery and prison. And in every instance, it says that he served the Lord. Yeah, I like so, I like this one that we, we've written right? this down. And, <laughs> and that's, you know, because that's really the, the, the story, especially right, you know, immediately, this is the story of my last, you know, it seems like last couple, three months is just perseverance with mm-hmm. God, right? You know, Joseph was, you know, I mean, you could read Joseph's story and go, the kid was insanely naive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. with his brothers and, you know, well, guys, what? Hey, I'm down here, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and just not thinking that, uh, you know, my brothers are, you know, um, not good people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but it, it, it was perseverance all the way through, right? He just trusted God all the way through. And when Pharaoh's wife wanted to sleep with him, he's just like, or the, not Pharaoh's wife, but the, his, his uh, master's wife. Potiphar. The, yeah. Potiphar. Yeah. Wanted to sleep with him. He's like, oh, no, I don't do that. I, I'm, you know, and then he gets thrown in jail for it. And then he starts converting people in jail. And, right. you know, and just living it out and that perseverance within that, uh, is it's even a more amazing story, frankly, than the story of Job, uh, to me is Joseph's character arc, if you will, or story arc, uh, in perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would say too, that, uh, just like, uh, the apostle Paul's comment he says i've i've learned to be content you know whether in plenty or whether in want okay so understand that in the life of joseph so even when he was given plenty 
in Egypt, he still served God faithfully. So it didn't go to his head. He did not try to usurp God's authority, even when he was given much. And even when he was given little, Mm -hmm. he did not curse God, but he served God, which is the whole point. It's the whole point to our lives. And Paul himself, um, you know, if you look at his life, he pursued self-righteousness. He was pursuing his own reputation mm-hmm. as a, yeah, he Hebrew a Pharisee, right? Yeah. Hebrews, yeah, as a Pharisee of Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he was going in the opposite direction, and he decided to tank his reputation to suffer for Jesus. And his example to us is: Are we willing again to do the same thing with our reputation? In the same way Paul tanked his own reputation, are we willing to do the same? Jesus, of course, being our perfect example, um, we have written down here that, of course, he was tested in every category, mm-hmm. um, even to the point of tears, even to the point where he said, you know, not my will, but your will be done, Father, completely giving up his life unto death and death on the cross. So, again, are we willing to give up our lives in order to follow him? It is the message of the Bible. It is the message of the New Testament. And so we don't want you to miss out on that. So we come now to what really are the differences and the similarities between temptation and testing? Because there are both. And so, Robert, if you will read that verse for us from James. James 1, 12 through 15. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we get into the differences first. The differences right away, you know, God does not tempt. Temptation is the temptation to actually disobey God, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea of a temptation, the motive behind a temptation is from the enemy. That was meant to entice us. It was meant to uh, allure our desires away from God, away from obeying him. And that, of course, leads to uh, punishment. It leads to being cut off. It leads to loss. And so the testing of God was actually meant to strengthen us. It was meant to take us further in our faith and develop our character. And it was also meant to reward us. And so we have a completely different dimensionality between temptation and testing. Keith, All right, uh, let's, take this, let's take this one final step and help me with the, the, not the differences, but the similarities between temptation and testing. Yeah, so the, the similarities are really not uh, discussed much. Um, the idea that 
you know, looking at the garden is probably our best way to identify it. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the garden, looking at the difference between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, both of them um, seem to be extremely uh, delightful. They both were um, trees that looked beautiful, that had beautiful fruit on them. You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, uh, in my uh, recollection of the way the story was designed, uh, did not look like a dead tree with an owl perched on top of it or a vulture uh, right. sitting yeah. in it, right? It looked something yeah. out of, a, out of a, <laughs> yeah. a Johnny and Depp so, movie. Yeah, so the similarities <laughs> was that they, they were both beautiful. They mm-hmm. both had uh, delicious hanging fruit off of them. And, and then God puts a serpent to challenge you to look at that tree that is forbidden, to challenge your faith, to say, hey, look, doesn't that look nice? He comes in. Doesn't that look desirable? And by the way, it'll make you wise. And by the way, don't you think God's holding out on you? He doesn't want you to be like him. Okay. And so again, this similarity of tempting and testing, God put a tempter in the garden to test us. Mm-hmm. His purpose was far different. We we already talked about the differences. Okay. Yeah. But the similarities are right there next to each other. You know, one of the one of the other key aspects of this, it's very hard to identify with the book of Job in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? It's very hard to identify God talking to Satan and God saying, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? So, so the way in which God, again, is using Satan, the way in which God used Satan with Jesus. Hey, you know what? This has to happen. I am testing my own son whom I sent to the earth in the exact same way. We have to grab a hold of this theology. If we don't grab a hold of this theology, we're going to continue living in the dark and confused at how God is designed things to work. And so the similarities between tempting and testing are hugely important. And then the differences are hugely important. God has designed us for victory. He has given us everything we need for victory. He wants us to be victorious, but he has to allow temptation. And he has to test our allegiance to him. Okay, in order to meet out his rewards properly, it has to be done. And this is the race to the kingdom. And so we have um, questions at the end of every article that we write in order for it to be a group study, personal study, application to the way in which you are training your mind to perceive life that God has given us. And that's our hope and our challenge to all of us is that we will see it from his perspective and run a faithful race. 
Yeah, guys, I'm going to take us real quick over to our website so we can show you where to find this stuff. So this is our Race to the Kingdom website. Under the articles section, we have um, the updated map and um, each of the fueling stations is identified out. We are in um, fueling station number four, Kingdom Life. And Life as a Test is the document that we've been working with right there. So simply clicking on that will take you right into our document. And you can see there's, you know, foreshadowing here. We've, we've, you know, we're many episodes into this as far as the, the amount of work that Keith's put into putting uh, uh, study guides and stuff together. And um, so, and then all the study guides that go along with the previous episodes as well. So all of that stuff is here for you. It's free. There's no login necessary. There's no nothing. Just download it and use it uh, in your own studies. Um, so with that, we're going to wrap up the series on living the kingdom life. Uh, if you have feedback, uh, we would love to have you, you know, post comments in the YouTube site or email us at info at race to the kingdom.org. Uh, we respond to all comments uh, and all uh, requests for clarification or more knowledge or anything like that, or even uh, as long as they're uh, factual based and respectful, even to have our, uh, our assertions questioned. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll debate with you with from within the scripture uh, of the Bible, as long as it takes for you to convince us or us to convince you, uh, we'll go back and forth. So we're, we, we enjoy that. Uh, there's a growth opportunity here for everyone. Uh, in any type of respectful learning and debate. So with that, excuse me, we're, um, we also ask that you give us five-star reviews or in your podcast app and YouTube that helps the algorithms to help folks find us. And hey, Keith and I are a, a ministry of two uh, and we don't have any advertising or anything like that. So if you've been watching these uh, or listening to these podcasts and you find them helpful, the way that we're going to grow this ministry and grow this message is for you to help us by sharing this with your friends and uh, the other folks that are walking in a similar place in your lives. So with that, Keith, you want to leave right. us in a brief uh, prayer and we'll, we'll end this episode. Yeah. And uh, we also encourage you uh, at the top of the racetrack, the prayer power there is a powerful prayer that we, Robert and I have been praying um, daily together. And we encourage you to do that in order to run a faithful race so that you're covered in the power of prayer in your life. And that's really, um, you know, don't neglect that. Um, I can tell you personally that when I first became a Christian, it was all about study and very little about prayer. And, and to run a faithful race, you have to be a man or a woman of prayer. So I would just highly encourage you to do that. So let us uh, close in prayer. Abba Father, we thank you for the story that you've given us. Um, we thank you that it is not a tame story. It is 
actually a, a wild story. It is a beautiful story, nonetheless, and it is a love story, no doubt. And uh, But help us to identify every dimension and aspect of that story, to encourage us to follow after you, to live in that larger story, to please you, and to receive our commendation as the saints who have gone before us. And so may we continue to run a faithful race and encourage others to do the same in the name of Jesus Christ, our forerunner, the one who ran his faithful race and is seated at the right hand of your throne. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.